Hi guys, welcome to the show. Just want to catch you beforehand to tell you that you can follow us on ICGAW on Twitter, that's I-C-G-A-W on Twitter, and email us your questions to discuss on the pod at ICGAWpod, that's I-C-G-A-W-P-O-D at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, we'd love it if you drop us a five-star review, subscribe, and tell your friends to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoy the show. All right, let's go. Hi, hello. Welcome to It Can't Get Any Worse, America's worst podcast for America's worst hockey team. The show where the hockey is bad, the analysis is worse, and the opinions are our own, because nobody else would want them anyway. I'm your host, Jay, and on today's show, we're going to be capping some of the major points from the end of preseason, discussing a few happenings around the roster, and previewing the Sabres opening three fixtures. So we're going to jump right in with part one and talk about preseason recap And there have been five or six games since the last time we spoke with you. And since it's preseason and there are many different factors going on, we're going to cover this in a certain way. We're just going to quickly go over the games, a couple quick talking points and score lines, um, but very briefly because we're with preseason, we're talking about teams where the A team showed up, teams where the B team showed up, teams where our A team played other teams, C teams, and vice versa. So talking points to come from this really come down to what we're going to do at the end, which is just the general winners and losers of the preseason. So we're going to walk through just a couple quick things, um, and then we'll talk about those winners and losers at the end. Friday, Saturday of last weekend, there was a home-and-home against Toronto. Um, In Game 1 in Toronto, we really saw a bit of a B team and a 3-5 to defeat. Game 2 was in Buffalo. We saw a little bit more of the A team with the Eichels, Skinners, and Reinharts of the world, and we saw a 3-2 defeat there. Um, Later in the week, we saw the Blue Jackets game in Clinton, New York, in the Kraft Hockeyville game, and this was a really neat, nice game that was a really great cause as well. Um, It's a great little town in New York. It's flanked by a lot of kind of lower-level hockey going on around town, a couple small schools with very well-supported hockey programs. Clinton, New York is also very close to Utica, which houses the Utica Comets, one of uh, the Rochester's divisional rivals. And really, in this small arena on this small ice, there were pretty two star-studded heavy lineups on both sides. The... Um, Sabres put out Skinner, Eichel, uh, Darlene, Reinhardt. The Blue Jackets put out Panarin and a lot of their other big guns. And in a small little rink on really small ice, it wasn't quite regulation size, there, there was not enough room for the amount of talent on this ice. And when, when the Sabres pulled their goalie at the end, you could definitely tell they were really struggling for space. And it wasn't just how well that... Uh, that the Blue Jackets were playing, it was that the ice was actually significantly smaller and trying to fit 12 NHL players on that small rink was a little difficult. 
um, mentioned that the Sabres pulled their goalie. It was because they were losing, and the game ended in a 4-2 loss. In the next game, the Sabres played at the Penguins, and uh, the week before, the Penguins' kind of C team showed up to play in Buffalo, and Buffalo gave them gave them the time of day. Um, in this game, the Sabres went to the Penguins with their B team, and that B team was really fed to the Wolves against a lineup featuring Crosby, Kessel, Malkin, and the team just got whacked 5-1. Um, last game of the preseason was this past Friday. It's kind of like a B plus team, uh, no Eichel or Ristolainen, but a lot of other pretty big names. And it was Sabres at the Islanders. The Sabres won 5-4 and the game wasn't televised, but the highlights ended up online. Skinner scored twice. Darlene got his first goal with a snapper from the blue line. All in all, a pretty good performance from two, unfortunately, lower level teams. But here we go. Winners and losers of the preseason. We're going to walk through three winners, kind of like a half a winner, and then a couple groups of losers from this preseason. And our our first preseason, if you've been, or first winner, sorry, if you've been following along, is not going to surprise you. It's Tage Thompson, and Tage Thompson really came into this organization. We didn't really know what we were getting, but a lot of fans were really upset at the fact that. Tage Thompson was the prospect coming over in the O'Reilly deal and not one of those other significantly higher-touted blue-chip prospects. But Tage Thompson has really proved a bunch of people wrong in this camp. He's an incredible skater. He's enormous, and he has fantastic hands. And you really saw him come to life in one of those Toronto games where he got sprung free, blew away from one defender, toe-dragged around another, and just roofed a great snapshot into the top of the net. And he has really cemented his place in maybe even a top-six role starting out in the season. And we really didn't think that that's what was going to be the case. When we did the season preview, I said for sure, Tage Thompson's going to need to be in Rochester. He's going to need to spend a lot of time where he can get top line minutes and not be in that bottom six role like if we're going to give him the chance make sure he gets the ice time he showed in this preseason that he really deserves that ice time and if on the starting lineup or starting opening night lineup if he's on that second line next to Patrick Berglund and we'll talk about that in a second I think that he has totally earned that spot he has definitely come in here and won a place in this team next winner of preseason is one that's a little more under the radar, um, kind of a developing veteran presence in Casey Nelson. And I I have to start off by admitting that I was wrong about Casey Nelson in the past, the way that I've been wrong about a lot of players on this team. And I remember last year, I was sitting next to a buddy of mine at the opening night of Amrix, and we were watching Casey Nelson, and we were looking at him, and my, my buddy leans over and he goes, man, Casey Nelson is just destined for the AHL. And flash forward to this season, and you're looking at a veteran presence stalwart. He's never going to be like your top line guy. You wouldn't want him on your top line. But if at the end of last year, you had told me Casey Nelson would be a UFA, we're going to lose him, I wouldn't have blinked twice. But he really cemented a place in the team and was quite impressive and something weird happened with his contract where he was I don't remember the exact numbers but if you are 24 and haven't played a certain number of NHL games 
you become a UFA at the end of the season. And Casey Nelson was one of those players that randomly fell into that gap and was going to be a UFA at the end of the season just as he was starting to bud and get some really impressive minutes and a couple pretty impressive showings at the NHL level. And particularly in this craft hockey bow game, he really showed just how far he has come and is a serious um, piece of evidence for Jason Botterill's other system of developing in the AHL and then getting chances because he has had extended time in the AHL. He got his extended chance in the NHL and he was fantastic for several games this season. Again, never going to be that top line guy, but he's showing what he's capable of and maybe we'll see a good season out of him this year. Um, My last winner is another defenseman and he's the new guy who very recently, as we'll talk about at the end of the show, was just sent down to Rochester but I would say he's the first name on the list of players who are getting called back up, and it's Lawrence Pilot. Um, he came in this year and has been a little shaky at times, but anytime he's looking shaky, you can kind of throw that asterisk next to it in that he's, he's learning the new ice, but he is an incredible skater. He's linking up play really well. He looked pretty solid as a defenseman, and while he's going down into the AHL, and that's probably a good thing for him, as we'll talk about later, He's going to be that first name coming back up, I would imagine, and he looks like the player they were talking about when we were talking about how they had signed the SHL player or defenseman of the year. We'll talk more about him when we talk about our down-the-road section and talk about Rochester. I've got a half a winner before we get to our our losers of, of preseason, and I'm declaring Alex Nylander half a winner. He is probably going to start on the roster opening night. He's shown flashes of significant offensive talent, but he's also shown lapses in awareness and just a lack of effort defensively that you would hope wouldn't be there for a third-year pro. And there was a perfect anecdote in that um, Kraft Hockeyville game against the Columbus Blue Jackets where he got put on a penalty kill and he... Presses, four checks into the into the offensive end, strips a defenseman, has the puck, then wanders back into the neutral zone, dabbles on the puck, loses it, and three seconds later, it's in the back of the Sabres net. And really, I think that was his preseason all in six seconds. A couple of really impressive shows of display and skill, and then butchering it on the defensive end. And you know what? I think it is telling that he was given that penalty kill opportunity. I think they're trying to give him a chance to show he can do something. And he's showing something, or the fact that he's showing something is a step forward for him. Because we're talking about a guy who's going to be a third-year pro and has really cannot, has not been able to establish himself at the AHL level. We've got to be hoping that he can he can take a step forward and build on this. It looks like he's finally going to get this chance out of camp at the NHL level. Hopefully he finds his feet underneath him and can take off, but we'll see. I'm declaring him half a winner. On to our, and I've got more than three players here. I've kind of grouped a few together. So I've got three groups of losers. Um, and again, losers does not mean they're not making the team and does not mean they don't have an NHL future, but I'm, I've identified a couple groups of players who are coming out of camp maybe a little lower than I thought of them when they went into camp. And my first group are the young guys, Casey Middlestat and Brendan Gooley. 
Casey Middlestat really struggled to impose himself at an NHL level, and that is in no way surprising. He's a little guy. He just got out of college, and while he has all of this offensive talent that we've seen, he's also not the most sizable character in the world, and this is one of his first times ever playing against full-grown adults. So it's not surprising that he wasn't lighting it up in the preseason playing in these positions, Um, but... It is kind of a step back in that a lot of the fan base thought that he was just going to slot right into the Ryan O'Reilly role, and it's very clear that that's not going to be the case. My other guy finally, or somewhat in the same boat, is Brendan Gooley, and I would be much more comfortable if Brendan Gooley started this season in Rochester. As we'll talk about later, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, but same kind of deal. He really struggled to impose himself in these games. His skating ability was on display, but the confidence of playing at this level wasn't there for preseason games. And I have a bit of a hot take, um, not so much for Brendan Gooley. I think Gooley will spend the season bouncing up and down between the AHL and NHL when they can give him different opportunities. But my hot take for this season is I think we're going to see a bit of Casey Middlestat in the AHL at some time this season. Because right now, I don't see him being able to contribute in a top six role or unseat any of those top six performers, and I don't see him bringing enough to the table on a defensive end to be a verifiable NHL bottom six player. I think you've got to get him in a position where he can be successful, and I think we're going to see him in the AHL and see him playing in Rochester at some point this season. We'll see how that goes. My next group of guys are some guys who I thought were right on the cusp of making the team and for various reasons have not. And they were the two guys I had pegged for maybe competing for that bottom line center role. And unfortunately, it looks like neither of them won it. One didn't win it out of injury. And Sean Malone um, took a knee injury in the first game of preseason. And uh, unfortunately, it's a really poorly timed injury for him as he was one of the guys gunning for that role next to Rasmus Asplund, who, while he was impressive in spurts, um, is clearly going to need a little more time learning the small ice. And we're going to see him in Rochester this season. And two guys who I think we were really looking forward to seeing what they could do and for various reasons didn't quite reach the standard that we thought that they could make. And we're going to see them in Rochester this season. Hopefully, we'll see Sean Malone sooner rather than later. And my last group of guys who we we kind of knew this was coming, but we were hopeful for them anyway. My last group of losers are Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste, who today, as of recording on Sunday, are just about to clear waivers if no one, uh, no one grabs them for an NHL role. And this really wasn't surprising. We had them on, on the hot seat in our Sabres season preview about just needing to show something. I mean, they are no they are no longer waiver exempt. They're out of their entry level contracts and if they're going to be NHL contributors, they really needed to show something this preseason and unfortunately they weren't able to unseat any of the any of the other veteran presence uh, on the team and they're where they're going to start in Rochester this year. Maybe hopefully this is the season that they pick things up and get going, but there is unfortunately not um, or unfortunately it's not going to be the start of this season so I've got them in my losers category at the moment and literally right just now at the time of recording I was about to talk about some injury news but the Sabres tweeted their morning lines for their morning skate this morning and there are a couple names who I had on my injury list who are now 
on the lines, which will be good to hear. Um, so I'm just going to run through these lines and note players who were previously injured before we move on to part two. Uh, top line, Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt. Nothing necessarily of note in terms of those players, but it is significant that Eichel is on the ice. He was day-to-day with kind of a maintenance injury that they picked up. He didn't play in that last preseason game, um, but he's back on the ice, and that's good to see. Connor Sherry is on the second line with Berglund and Thompson slash Nylander, as we were talking about finding top six roles for specifically Thompson, um, but also Nylander is good to see up there. It's also good to see Connor Sherry on the ice. He picked up, I believe, a shoulder injury right as he showed up for camp, so it's good to see him out there. Really excited to see him in the sweater. Um, Next line is Giergensen's Rodriguez, Pominville. Not too much to talk about there. And bottom line, Sabatka, Middlestat, Akposo, which if I'm going to be honest, is maybe a sign of what's to come for Middlestat in that I don't think he is a bottom line center. And it's not that he can't do it offensively. I just worry about the parts of his game that he needs to be a bottom line center on the defensive end. And I think maybe that position at the moment is a sign of of what's to come. But we'll see how things go as we go forward. Defense, Risto, Scandella, McCabe, Darlene, Beaulieu, Nelson, and a fourth line of Gooley, Tennyson. Um, Notes from there, Risto was also out with a day-to-day injury and is back on the ice, which is good to see. And Gooley on that bottom pairing with Tennyson, who was recently waived, is... um, is maybe telling they not quite make it in into that bottom bottom six or bot sorry bottom pairing of defensemen. I don't necessarily know what to think of that. I would rather see Gooley getting some minutes. We'll talk about that in the down the road section later in the show today. A um, couple other quick items of note: Matt Hunwick is still out, and Zach Bogosian is out with an injury apparently not related to his hip injury, which is rather concerning and not what we wanted to see to start this season. Um, Bogo's injury histories are long documented, and unfortunately we're looking at maybe the start of another season where he's going to be on that constant day-to-day status. Hopefully things turn around and we see him on the ice very soon, but it really was was a troubling, troubling thing to hear that not only is he injured, but it's a different injury from something related to the hip surgery that he had this offseason. That's about it for our ice news. Uh, Join us in part two where we're going to be previewing the week ahead um, and specifically those opening fixtures, um, three home fixtures to start the season. We'll talk about those in a second. See you in part two. All right, welcome to part two of the show where we're going to be walking through our opening games. And the Sabres actually start off with four at home against the Bruins, Rangers, Golden Knights, and the Colorado Avalanche. We're going to talk specifically about the first three because when we come back for our episode next week, we will be in between that third and fourth game. So we'll be able to recap these three that we discuss in this episode and preview that Avalanche game before it happens. So we're going to start off with our opening night at home against the Boston Bruins on Thursday the 4th. And this is a really tough litmus test to open the season to really show how much progress this team has made. 
The Boston Bruins are an established team in the division, and while the team is, I'm sorry, the division is stacked with talent at the upper end, and the Bruins really probably won't be able to challenge the Torontos and, um, oh my gosh, the Tampas of the division. They are definitely firmly that number three team in the division. And last season, they beat the Leafs in a game se- or in game seven of the first round, and they lost in round two to the Lightning, maybe illustrating that there's a little bit of parity, but you look at how much better Toronto got this season, and I don't know that Boston necessarily made that jump. But last season, per the NHL, uh, they were sixth in goals per game, fourth in goals against, and they had a great season, and they're looking to go again and maybe squeeze something out of this team Again, offseason moves, not a whole lot. They very recently traded Adam McQuaid to the Rangers in what I believe was a bit of a cap dump. He was a big part of their somewhat recent uh, cup win in 2011. They're a team that's got an aging core with Krejci, Bergeron, Bacchus, all like, you know, a little bit on the wrong side of 30. Chara way on the wrong side of 30. But they're also looking at some guys like David Pasternak and Charlie McAvoy who could be the next generation and the next pieces moving forward with this organization. They're a very strong team and this is a really tough opening fixture for the Sabres to have at home with all of their new pieces. Uh, After that Thursday night game, there's the Saturday night game against the Rangers and this is a difficult one to call. The Rangers pressed the rebuild button at the end of last season but I'm not totally convinced that they're going to be bad. They struggled last season. They were 21st in goals per game and 28th in goals against, and they missed the playoffs for the first time since 2010. They released a letter telling the fans that they're going to be embracing their new young talent, and that's going to mean that they're saying goodbye to some long-loved faces. And in the process, they trade Rick Nash to Boston and McDonough to the Lightning. And they're going to have some young players with guys like Jimmy VC, if you remember him from the shenanigans last year, and some solid veterans like Shattenkirk and Lundqvist and Hayes. And I am just not convinced that they're going to be totally bad. Because if things go really well for them and they can turn around the defense and those offensive pieces that they still have click like they have in the past, and if Lundqvist can stand on his head, they're going to win some games and they could be okay. The question is, does their management want them to be okay? Um, Would you rather be at the bottom and get a chance at one of those generational talent pieces to build around in the draft in this upcoming year? Or would you rather be like a barely crawling into the playoffs team that doesn't get those players and therefore doesn't make progress forward? Big questions going into this season for them with what they're going to be able to do. I really do not feel confident calling this game or the Rangers season either way. There's really no way to predict what they could be capable of this season. And then talk about a team that you can't be capable of predicting what they can do. Monday, there's a home game against the Vegas Golden Knights. And everyone knows the story of Vegas. And this team actually for everyone knowing its story, has a very new look to it in its second season in the league. Last year, they were the best team in the West. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Of course, they lost to the eventual champions, the Washington Capitals, and everyone is asking the question, can they do that again? And there are some big notes to consider with the fact that 
Um, there are some big contributors who are gone. They've brought in some new players. Um, specifically, just walking through those, James Neal and David Perron have left as unrestricted free agents. Neal signed in Calgary. Perron signed in St. Louis. They did turn around and sign Paul Statsny after his deal expired with the Jets after he was traded there for the last chunk of the season. And they traded a handful of assets, like we talked about last week for Max Pacioretty, who signed a four-year deal with them. I have a bunch of questions for them going into this season, um, namely, if just questions that if they're going to be successful again. These are these are questions that have to have answers to them. Uh, number one, can Flurry do it again? He was fantastic last season, as was well noted. His stats were incredible. His performances were incredible, and he really plugged the gap of what was an an, an okay at best defense. They had a lot of big, heavy hitting, hard working guys, but were lacking some of that really solid offensive defensemen. And that's going to come up in a second for another big question mark. Um, number two, does the new look work with Pacioretty and um, Statsny coming in to replace Neal and Perron? Do these guys pick up where they left off and complement the William Carlsons and the uh, Jonathan Marses shows of the team? Can that work? If you flip this team, is it still as talented as it was last year? Is it still as effective as it was last year with these new faces? And then one of the biggest questions I have for them is, is William Carlson good now that everyone expects him to be good? He was an RFA this season, and he went to arbitration, was given a one-year deal worth like five and change, and he's up again this year. And so the question about William Carlson is, is he actually a 40-goal scorer consistently? Is he even a 30-goal scorer consistently? And for the sake of his team and the sake of his own career, they're really going to be looking for him to have another good year. He's up again this year for a contract. And if you score 40 goals a season two years in a row going into a contract negotiation, if your team doesn't give you a number that starts with an eight, at least, you walk away. But if he only comes back with 15 goals this season, there's going to be a big question mark over whether or not he's even going to be the, the future of this team. Was last season just a flash in the pan? There's going to be an, an, an item to discuss there. Um, last question is, uh, can they survive the suspension of Nate Schmidt? If you are familiar um he was suspended 20 games due to performance-enhancing drugs, and both he and the team were very vocal against this charge and this decision. Uh, he came forward citing the science of the issue, saying that um, the amount of substance that was found in his bloodstream was equivalent to a pinch of salt in an Olympic swimming pool. Now, there are many things to debate on um on this level, was it an amount issue? Or sorry, it wasn't an amount issue. It was the fact that it was there, but was it there intentionally? And he claims that it was not. That the amount could never have been helpful to him um, at all in any way. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. He is suspended for 20 games, and he is their puck-moving defenseman. And 
He's not the greatest one, if I'm being perfectly honest, but he is their guy, and you can't be successful in this league if, if you don't have that player at the blue line keeping the puck and recycling possession and keeping the offense moving from the back end. Um, in that department, they did re-sign Shea Theodore to a seven-year deal, but he, that he's, he's not going to replace what Schmidt can do on the back end, and they're going to open up 20 games without this this player. Um, so three opening fixtures with very big questions about them. I mean, the biggest one with Boston is can Buffalo compete with an established team like this? Biggest one with the Rangers is what are the New York Rangers? And biggest items with the um, the Vegas Golden Knights is who who are the Golden Knights this year with their new looks and their missing players and their players who came out of nowhere last season. Um, I have some, some little worst case, best case scenario items for how this week can go. Uh, my worst case scenario, since we're Buffalo fans, we'll do that first. Um, obviously worst case scenario would be just a demoralizing blowout loss to the Bruins, um, at home. It would probably involve Brad Marchand licking Jack Eichel's visor, which would therefore give him another high ankle sprain, um, if the Rangers were actually quite good and were clearly a team, the Sabres would need to fight for a wild card spot. That could be an issue as well and a pretty demoralizing aspect to start the season. On paper, I feel like the Sabres should be and could be better than this team. Finding out this week that they're definitely not better than them would be a tough start to the season. And, of course, with Game 3, um, the... <laughs> lowest point we could reach probably would be the Golden Knights starting their new season of domination by just stomping on poor old Buffalo. For things to go well this week, uh, my best case scenario actually doesn't necessarily have to involve an opening day win. Um, if the team comes out strong in the opener and puts together a strong, cohesive, fast performance, um, that would be perfectly welcome. And if they're just if they're in the picture at the end of the game and it's not a blowout and they put in a strong performance, I'll be pleased. If there are things to look forward to after that opening game, I, I think I think that's one of the better things we could look for. Obviously, a win could be great, but there are scenarios where they don't win that game where I feel like we could walk away pretty happy. Um, best case scenarios would also involve top six. Um, this is a, a new look top six, and if they can bet in and start scoring some goals quickly, and if the secondary scoring, this new look bottom end can start contributing right off the bat as well, that's going to be a plus. And my third best case scenario is that Rasmus Dahlin has a quietly good start. Of course, he's perfectly welcome to absolutely dominate and make us feel all of the feelings, but if he could just have a quiet, good start um, he doesn't have to be flashy starting off. He doesn't have to be everything this generational talent needs to be starting off. If he can make very quiet, good noises and not make any of those bad noises to start off, I think this would be a great start for him. Um, that's it for our preview for this week. Join us in part three. We're going to talk down the road with the Rochester Americans and around town with what's going on in the league. We'll see you in a second. All 
right, welcome to our Down the Road section where we're going to be talking about the Rochester Americans for just a minute. Uh, down the Road, the Sabres have assigned Jonas Johansson, Kyle Criscolo, Andrew Ogilvie, Daniel Reagan, CJ Smith, Scott Wedgwood, Will Borgen, Taylor Fadoon, Rasmus Asplund, and Victor Olafson down to Rochester, either through straight up assigning or through waivers. Currently on waivers at the time of recording are Justin Bailey, Nick Baptiste, and Matt Tennyson. Also assigned, as we mentioned earlier, was Lawrence Pilot, and I think this is the right move. Um, he showed a lot of really good things in this preseason, and remember, this is the guy who, in the league with Rasmus Dahlin in the Swedish Hockey League, with that highly touted generational talent defenseman, the Swedish Hockey League defenseman of the year was not Rasmus Dahlin, it was Lawrence Pilot, and he showed a lot of that talent this preseason, and at the same time, I'm really happy that he's going to be in Rochester, because it's going to give him an opportunity to play a left-hand D role, probably next to a guy like Zach Redman, who is an established AHL player, he'll have a lot of experience around him, and he'll get a chance to learn this small ice in a place where he'll play more than those bottom six minutes he'd probably be getting at the NHL level. Level, sorry, um, it's the right move. Unfortunately, as a part of this, it means Brendan Gooley starts with the big club, and as we talked about, I don't necessarily see that as the right move. He really struggled in preseason. I would prefer to see him get big minutes and show that dominant skating and turn that into numbers because ultimately end of the last, at the end of last season, we had Brendan Gooley who could tear it up on the ice but couldn't capitalize and make it show in his numbers. And I would really like to see him get extended AHL time, make that jump from a statistical standpoint, and start contributing some actual numbers, goals, and assists this year before we see him full-time in the NHL. It's not going to be that way at the start, but I think we're going to see it at some point this year. Um, other news, Matt Molson was assigned to the Ontario Reign. This is his last deal, or sorry, last year of his $5 million deal with the Sabres. And the organization will finally be rid of that contract after this year. But we're not going to be seeing him around Rochester. Um, I went to the stadium today and picked up my season tickets. And I just want to say that there is a palpable excitement about the Americans this season. Um, the new <laughs> the new screen looks great. The event was incredibly well attended. Uh, Chris Taylor and a couple of the other guys were speaking, specifically talking about culture and building a family atmosphere there. There were a dozen tables set up in the main atrium upstairs, and there wasn't an empty seat, and people were standing along the walls. You can tell people are really excited to see where this team can go and what this team can do this season, and it's just it's just great to see because you can definitely tell that Jason Botterill has not only not forgotten about the Rochester Americans that Tim Murray was kind of guilty of doing, but he fully embraces the idea that this team needs to be good for the Sabres to be successful, and that is awesome to see. If you're interested in going to a game, the Amherst opened their season with two home games against the Charlotte Checkers this Friday, October 5th, and Saturday, October 6th. There is no Sabres game on Friday, and so if you are free and looking to watch some hockey, you should 
definitely go and check out opening night for the Rochester Americans. I think it's going to be a really exciting season to see, both in terms of what's coming back and some of that new talent that we've talked about several times. Highly recommend going. Onto our around town section, talking about a few other things happening around the league. And I hate for this section to just turn into that part where you you dump on the Ottawa Senators, but hopefully this will be the last time that we have to do this because they did another thing. And they appeared to be continuing their rebuild. Remember last week we talked about they've they've traded Eric Carlson. They appeared to be continuing to go forward with their rebuild by waving Zach Smith and sending him down to the AHL. Now, Zach Smith had a rough season, but he was widely regarded as one of the feel-good factors of that locker room. He's a solid veteran presence on the team, was one of their alternate captains. He's on kind of a bad contract that was difficult for them to shop around considering he didn't contribute the way that they were hoping him to last season. So they waved him. And the response to this was really interesting. Matt Duchesne described it openly as a kick in the balls, which is, excuse my language on that first part, sorry. Um, Well, that's a pretty public outcry from a guy who you would hope would be a team leader and especially a dude with an expiring deal. And this is a team that's going to be very, very bad. And here they are waving the feel-good, hardworking, fairly solid NHL player. Well, all right, he had a disappointing season last, face it, but let's also face it, no one on the Ottawa Senators did, and he's still a well-liked guy who can hold that room together, and they're waving him. Ultimately, this move doesn't make any sense. Like You have nothing to gain from being bad, and waving Smith now has just destroyed his value. So it's tough to trade him if you wanted to get something for him. If you wanted to get out of his contract, you aren't doing it now. If you wanted to push this team to work harder by showing that no one is safe, you seem to have done that, but you've also royally ticked off the team while doing that. So I'm not sure that your direction is necessarily that positive. Not only that, but they undid it. And he's back on the NHL roster and is slated to play against the Blackhawks on Thursday. So they've officially gone nowhere other than almost intentionally pissing off their players before the start of the season where they're going to be horrendously bad and with zero end product to show for it. You have with this team, let's just list it off. You have your two remaining star players in Stone and Duchesne on expiring deals. You've got star players like Gabarik and Pajot out for months with injury. You've got an owner putting out a super weird video announcing not really anything at all, but looking super strange and out of touch with the fan base while doing it. You've got teammates threatening, I'm sorry, excuse me, teammates, significant others, threatening other star players on social media. And you've got GMs who get fleeced in a trade trying to rectify that situation. You've got no first round pick on a year where you're going to be the worst team in the league because you traded it for a dude whose contract is expiring. So you will soon not only not have your first round pick, but you will also not have the player you traded that pick for. And you've now screwed it up so royally. You've got management intentionally trying to anger a team that is probably already angry considering they're playing on this team going into a historically bad season by messing with the hardest working locker room guy who could play a role in holding it all together. There are two people, two groups of people, one group of people, one person who I feel really bad for. The group of people is the Ottawa Senators fans. 
I don't like your team, but you don't deserve this. The other guy I feel really bad for is Brady Kachuk, because what must he be thinking just drafted to join this team watching this show go on from the outside? I mean, all of this is going on from a team, if you flash back 16 months to the playoffs in 2017, this was a team that was a goal away from the Stanley Cup Finals. Second overtime, they score a goal, they're going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And you look at where they are now, what happened to this team? This is... I mean, by the time Brady Kachuk gets to Ottawa, there might not even be an Ottawa Senators. There might not even be an Ottawa. It'll just be a black hole where once there was a somewhat serviceable hockey team. In other news, Brian Gianta has officially announced his retirement following his Olympic team captaining and a brief stint with the Bruins during their playoff run last season. He did state that he intends to be involved in the Buffalo Sabres organization in some capacity, which most people are thinking um, would involve seeing him either as a coach or um, some other role like that in Buffalo or in Rochester. Um, That's some happier news for us. And that's about it for our show. If you have enjoyed hanging out with us, we would so appreciate it if you would pop by iTunes and subscribe and leave us a nice handy review. Outside of the show, we'd love to see you on Twitter, and you can find us, follow us, and yell at us at ickgaw, I-C-G-A-W, on Twitter. You can also email us at ickgawpod at gmail.com. We'll be here next Wednesday to recap those first three games of the season and talk about what's coming as the Sabres look to take on the Colorado Avalanche and the Arizona Coyotes. In the meantime, keep those heads up, Sabres fans. It might not get much better, but remember, it can't get any worse. We'll see you guys soon. Dick in to Oposo. Oposo hanging on to it back at the point. Oposo drops it off in the corner to Eichel. Eichel buzzing around. Eichel in the side lane. Score!